Hello, and welcome to TARDIS Tropes. Uh, we're on the third podcast recap of Doctor Who Flux, Series 13, covering the uh, fourth and fifth of this six-episode series. Uh, this time, it's Village of the Angels and the Survivors of the Flux. I'm your companion, David. And I'm your companion, Hannah. Uh, and I'm... And we're here... <laughs> and I'm here too. <laughs> That's uh, our our companion Victor, who we really appreciate having on uh, throughout this series, um, providing just a little bit of extra companionship. He's uh, he's much the... like our third companion for these episodes, Jericho. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean, can we I love say Jericho, don't we folks? Can I say what a downgrade from Vinder to Jericho? I like, like I like Jericho. I Who doesn't like I, Jericho? I don't mind being compared to Jericho in this metaphor. <laughs> um, oh. yes. So Jericho is actually how we open uh, Village of the Angels. We reconnect with a character who we know very little about up to this point, Claire Brown. Um, who is being psychologically analyzed by a psychoanalyst named, uh, what was his first name? Erasmus? <laughs> no, Eustatius Jericho. Ah! Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, the year is 1967, and she's taking a polygraph test, and she says, uh, date of birth, 1985, oops! I can't be born in 1985. I'm in 1967. <laughs> um, yeah. So, as it turns out, she was zapped back in time in in our in our last meeting with her back in the Halloween apocalypse. Yeah. And uh, now she's dealing with angels in a village. It's village of the angels. Last time we saw the angels, <laughs> it was in a city. This time, it's in a village. Totally different. <laughs> Technically, the last time we saw the angels, they were hijacking the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. I meant, like, the last big main <laughs> main angels episode. Right. This is the first uh, angels episode that wasn't written by Stephen Moffat. Um, it's not the first piece of angels media that was written without <laughs> him. But, you know, we're not including the VR games or the live interactive experience. Oh, or that which, short uh, they did for the Olympics. We're not real fans. <laughs> We're big fans. <laughs> um, yeah. How do we feel this fares as an angel episode? It's but I gotta say, I think they get the angels completely wrong. Like, everything about them mm. wrong. And yet, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I thought it was a blast. It's, it's way better than <laughs> Angels Take Manhattan, I would say, as an angels episode. Right. Uh, I mean, I think there's a clear divide in fans now that I'm seeing between the people who like the really straightforward old Who Monsters, like, episodes, like War of the Santarans and this one, and then the people who really go nuts for the out-there, narrative, plot-driven, experimental episodes like uh, Once Upon Time Mm -hmm. and our second episode uh, that we're covering this time, uh... What was it? Survivors of the Flux. Um, so, I'm part of, obviously, the guy who likes straightforward, easy-to-process episodes uh, with simple plots, like 
There's a bunch of monsters trying to kill the doctor, and the doctor's trying to figure out why. Classic. I, I like both styles, but I do agree that the the this second episode and this angel episode have been the strongest of the season. Uh, especially this angel episode, actually, really quite liked it. I I hear what you're saying, David, about them getting the angels wrong. Um, but I do feel like they did some fun things with, like, the image of an angel is exactly. an angel. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I mean, obviously Chibnall did like, or at least appreciated, that it it's important to the angels. The Time of Angels two-parter uh, from season five, mm-hmm. where we introduce the idea that the image of an angel becomes itself an angel. So we do plenty of things with that. We have the phone in the previous episode that... Uh, that the angel uses to break onto the TARDIS, the video games also from last episode, and then we have a sketch that Claire Brown makes, which <laughs> even after it's torn up, somehow still counts as containing the image of an angel. Yeah, um, so then we get a fiery angel, which is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have a television set that's mm-hmm. like doing a live feed of some angels, and then it becomes an angel. And uh, and then we have the polygraph, which is my favorite, where somehow <laughs> scanning the brain of somebody possessed by an angel, you know, which someone with an thing. image of an angel in their mind, creates an image on the polygraph of the angel, which then can come to life. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. So stupid. <laughs> um, I also think that the motivation of the angels is totally totally wrong for this episode and yet i love it when i found out spoilers that (laughs) the angels are working for the division the cia of the time lords i lost it i was like yes this is insane the cia (laughs) weeping angels what the hell is going on they're like pulling off covert extractions and like cover-ups for like intel like the idea of an angel having intel is <laughs> right. so stupid yeah. it can't even talk uh they sort of talk in in this one right but i mean it's established that angels don't have voices of their own that's true um and it's not like you could imagine like you sound like you can imagine an angel like writing up a report and like publishing it in a newspaper. Or well, I, like, I guess the idea is that they're like stealthy because if you look at them, you're just like, ah, that's a statue, unless you know what they are. But I mean, I feel like like any place you'd be trying to infiltrate, if you're the Time Lord CIA, probably know <laughs> would notice a giant statue. Like the CIA is just like, what is, what is that giant angel statue? Well, it, it is an angel. I guess it's a good thing that it just showed up in the hallway. Right. On the other hand, having a creature that can time travel and that can displace people in time without killing them, that's got to be a real, you know, useful Asset. skill, but, especially for something that cannot be killed. I mean, if, so I'm not saying it's wrong to recruit an angel. I just think it's odd for an angel to want to be recruited <laughs> by Time Lords or by anybody. Well, they not have like, right. They're pretty much just, you know sort of mindless beasts that feed on energy in the universe. They're time goblins. <laughs> They're goblins, yeah. Goblin CIA. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Chibnall, does he introduce any new rules for, for angels? Does he mess with the lore of the angels in the way that Moffat always did? Uh, I mean, he exagger. He, like, takes it to the next level with the image stuff, but... Yeah. Right. I mean, the fact that you set the image I, of an angel on fire and it becomes itself on fire. Fire. 
That to me, that's key. Yeah, that was pretty good. I'm keeping that in the logbook. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't. Was there something that you saw that was like new that, like, I feel like this is a question you have an answer to. They have a spaceship, right? Is it a big uh, angel travel vessel of some kind? Do they? Is it a spaceship that they're in? I thought that was more metaphorical. Yeah, I think it's more metaphorical. Doctor space. So what was it? It was this big rock formation that uh, the little girl says that in school they told her was like. An old relic oh, right. uh, from the Stone Age or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I thought I thought it was a bunch of... An- it wasn't. But isn't it just, like, literally a bunch of angels? Like, the whole yeah. thing is made out of angels, I think. Oh, do they clump? Yeah, that's why are at the clump? end... Do they like, clump yeah. That's why at the end, the hands are all, like, coming out of the walls coming and stuff. Out. Right. Well, did like I the think hands. a big flaw in this episode, and I, and I you know, I apologize to the director, because it may just have been that uh, they didn't know what they were working with, but the direction in this episode just isn't it. Um, no, no. It doesn't come across as horror. It doesn't come across as spooky. And I don't think it's the writing because, you know, it's never been about the writing really with angels. It's always been about the filmmaking. Right. I mean, I don't know. I think there were some shots that were yeah, like was, like pretty good and like it, you know. To, to us as adults, maybe no. Yeah, but I, like... mean, I mean, like, the thing, like, I, not, nothing in Doctor Who is really that spooky, in my opinion. Like, it's not, it doesn't actually spook me, like, when I watch well, Doctor okay, Who. okay, but exciting, tense. Yeah, I thought, I yeah. I felt, I felt excitement and tense. tension I, in these scenes. I think the tension comes more from the stakes of the writing, and I feel like, you Exactly, know... but that's what I'm saying. It's not the writing that's flawed here. It's really? the directing. I... In the scene where Yaz and... Uh, Dan are just mm-hmm. like in a field and there's an angel there like you can shoot that in a way where it's truly frightening sure. but instead it's shot in kind of like a jokey way and then they just kind of teleport back mm-hmm. same with like the way that the old couple when the angels disintegrate them you know <laughs> I mean that's a horrifying death it doesn't come across as like spooky to me I, I, at I don't all. know I... and I, I went back and watched the older angel episodes and you know, Blink, even, you know, Angels Take Manhattan, like, they all have <laughs> a, a decent way of shooting that I mean, tension I, mean, in a I, I, I kind of disagree with you on this one. I think that the way the grandparents die, like, just, like, they're being, like, ignorant and being, like, whatever, like, keep going, and then they just kind of evaporate in front of their grandchildren. Like, it, it was, it's not, like, the most shocking thing I've ever seen, but it was pretty gruesome for Doctor Who, like... It was it was it was no, disturbing. Like the effect is gruesome, like, I, I, but it, I, the scene does not have tension. I think the scene does have tension. I mean, it's not it's not I, like it's not like the best Angels episode, but it's it's better. Like I thought this episode was fairly decently directed. Like I was well, invested. Maybe, in, maybe it has something to do with the acting. What did you think of like the performances in this episode? I mean, the villagers aren't great. They're uh, right, but I mean, of our main cast. Um. The doctor is pretty good in it, I guess. Like, relative, like it's it's one of Jodie's meteor bits, I think. Like, as this season generally has been meteor for her. Uh, I agree. The, I think the doctor's pretty well written, and she gives a good performance. Um, I feel like there's just like, I don't know. Yaz and Dan seem like del- like relegated to the background again. You know, like no, they I have a lot of screen time and they, have... they do a lot of things. But their parts not I interesting. Think the performances are not there. But I mean, it's also like they're just... you... they're they're they don't have presence and they they don't react to things in a way that I would consider to be 
believable or natural. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought that the B plot was definitely not nearly as strong. I mean, I think part of the problem is that the A plot is so much more inherently interesting. Like, it's like the doctor, you got the angels, like, uh, you know, coming down on this house. And you have, like, this mystery of the division and why this angel is actually there and what the doctor is falling for. And it just doesn't really compete with, like, them standing in a field waiting for people to die. <laughs> right. But, I mean, at the same time, like, Yaz and Dan are the ones who are actually exploring the town. They're the ones who are actually trying to gather evidence. They're, they're doing the mystery plot where right. the doctor is, is trapped. You know, it's it's almost a reversal of what we would typically see. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think that the plot of them being trapped in the basement is that interesting. Basically, they go to the house. The angels surround the house immediately. They, like, close the wooden door on them and then kind of futz around and they get out a television set. They, like, you know, they're trying to figure out some kind of plan. And the plan is just look at the television set that's <laughs> recording the angels because then they'll be frozen too. Yeah, I it's, guess. it's not a great plan <laughs> as far yeah. as well, see, when they go. brought out the TV, I thought they were going to do a clever thing where they were going to use the TV like like a mirror, which mirrors mm. have been shown to defeat angels in the past because the image of the angel being reflected becomes an angel. And then if it looks at itself, it's it's frozen. That's like, you know, if you hit a centaur on the back yeah, of the yeah. neck, <laughs> if you show an angel a picture of itself, like that'll stop it. Um, but, uh, they don't do that. Instead, they just bring the picture down with them, which it seems like doesn't actually save them any time, right? Right. Because the angel can still just instantly burst out of the TV if you blink. <laughs> yeah. So you've just brought the angel down with you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very strange. Especially when the doctors, I'm like, ah, but there's this secret tunnel and we can just go through there. And it's like, you could have done that to begin with. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's the interesting thing about, like, Angel episodes is to increase tension, you always need to drive the characters into a closed corner, a secluded part of something where they can't escape, and then they have to escape. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because there's no way to defeat an angel. Every angel that's been defeated so far has either been just temporarily stopped by, like, having them look at one another, or they've been removed from, from existence. Yeah. yeah. That happened in both Angels Take Manhattan and uh, Time of Angels two-parter. Yeah, so, it's, you know, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sort of what happens when you create this uh, invincible killer, you know? Right. I guess if Chibnall did add anything to the lore, he sort of expanded upon the idea of the the image of an angel living in somebody's visual cortex mm-hmm. right yeah so it's like you can use that person once you've gotten in there as your sort of vessel you can use them um to hide from angels who then like can't get you out of there maybe they can just teleport you back in time to trap you until you come out of your own accord and uh you can also sort of possess them, use their voice, you know, all sorts of other things like that. And so Claire kind of doesn't really exist as a character in this one. Is more just like, <laughs> okay, be a plot device. I, I have a question about Claire. Because the first time we meet her, it's in the the first episode, right? Where yeah. we're getting all these set up characters. 
And she comes up to the doctor, and she's like, oh, doctor, it's so good to see you. Yeah, yeah. But, but like... Because she's, she's a like, psychic. She's had oh, visions. Oh, okay. So there you go. This is the thing with Chibnall, right? Is that he borrows images and, like, beats from other better Doctor Who stories <laughs> and then incorporates them as sort of, like, a fan fiction, mm-hmm. you know? You, you think of your average, like, fanfiction.net writer. It's basically. And, and they'll do, like, oh, it's the Sally Sparrow the- scene where she goes up to the doctor and says, you haven't met me yet. I got it in the wrong order. Oops. <laughs> but then, rather than actually writing up to that and, like, you know, creating the story that is circular so right. that she can say that to the doctor, it's easier to just make her... Have visions of the future, yeah. right? Which is how she gets the vision of the angel in the first place, right? And that's how it gets in her head. Yeah, um, which I think is an interesting some, idea. <laughs> maybe um, other weird and 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 uninteresting things. Angels apparently always leave one survivor to tell their story. <laughs> Is it all that they always leave um, one, or that they sometimes leave a survivor just like they like to? Yeah, they like to. I, I think it's they promise her that she would be fine. Yeah, I think they like to. They also have uh, a a process that they can do called quantum extraction, where they take a section of space time and just rip it out. I guess, which seems really freaking useful if you're in the right. like Time Lord CIA. <laughs> right. Um, but it seems like, again, like, this doesn't work because they rip out, like, a portion of space-time to sort of isolate th- this angel. But then why would she, I-, I don't know, like, why would she purposefully try and, like, go there? Right. Like, she steals the TARDIS and takes the TARDIS there, right? Who? The angel? Claire's angel. Uh, because that was always her goal her goal was always to trade her life for the doctors right but if she had the TARDIS couldn't she just go literally anywhere else (laughs) right but they wouldn't stop chasing her if you're getting chased by the Time Lord CIA it's uh also I don't think there's anywhere else to go because the whole idea of the flux is that earth is the only place that like exists anymore Okay, kind of. well, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, but I will say that the, in the terms of the direction, uh, the scene where we first see that the universe is, like, like that the edge of the village is the edge of the universe, and that yeah. there's just, like, space out there, Yeah. Um, that's shot really poorly, such that <laughs> the old people, like, walk all the way to the edge of the, of the earth, like, where the sidewalk ends, <laughs> and they just go, like, Whoa! <laughs> the road stops here. <laughs> like they suddenly realize it, yeah. uh, which doesn't make I, I mean, any sense. I mean, those old people so were so dumb. They were. <laughs> they were just like, "Whoa!" The world just said, "This is like something with mirrors, behind <laughs> <Not lying laughs> candid camera." Uh, and yeah. then after they get teleported and it's daytime, all of a sudden they're like, "Someone's like, hey, don't move near that statue. You know that statue that just made you teleport until it was daytime. Don't go near it." And they're like, "Kid, whatever you say." <laughs> You're saying nonsense. <laughs> yeah, you're talking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Other weird production things. Um, Claire at one point washes her face in a mirror, 
and I thought that an angel was going to appear behind her, but instead she got angel wings. Yeah. They were the and cheapest were really... looking angel wings. Yeah. They're like was... I mean, they're the same material that they make the actual angel wings out of, but normally they're not attached to a moving person. Right. You know, or they you freeze know... frame them so that they look like stone. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was not a great scene. Um, at least I think they were the same material. Maybe they did just cheap out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it seems crazy to to do that. Like, if if there's any prop that the BBC has to have lying around somewhere, it's got to be a pair of angel wings, yeah. you know? Like, come on. <laughs> there is a, um, a bell subplot in this one that we didn't mention at all. A bell? You know, bell. Oh. Vinder's... Oh, girlfriend, oh, right. lady, lady love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, she says, since the flux, there's so much more space and so much less everything else. Yeah. Which I thought was exactly the opposite of what's happening. And based on what the description we get in the next episode, it also seems like it's wrong because <laughs> they said that everything's being moved together into the center of the universe and compressed. Yeah. So there would be less space. Yeah. Uh, and more everything else. <laughs> um, but it does play into my theory that we're go- still going to get Space Lords. I'm still holding out for Space Lords. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so much more space now. So there's maybe so they're destroying much. time to, to make more space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so she lands on this planet, and then there's a bunch of refugees, and uh, one of the the swarm, or Blue, what's her name? She, I know her face is Blue. Azor. Azor. Yeah, That's why I thought Blue, because it's yeah, yeah. Spanish Blue. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, she shows up with a passenger, and is like, oh, I'm going to save you all. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, we love it. And yeah. of course, they're, they're basically Bell doing knows. Utopia again. Yeah. You guys yeah. remember Utopia? Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a big paradise in the sky. All you have to do is trust this this one savior to take you there. Yeah. But then it turns out it's a trap. It's a trap. Um. Yeah. And uh, and then the the episode ends in kind of a weird way because the gang in the past just sort of comes across us like a rift in time that they can talk through but can't move through yeah yeah and they get to see the doctor be turned into an angel and then teleported away <laughs> yeah and oh then, oh that's i guess that's a new thing that he they added. get back to earth right like their part of space time must have reconnected with the rest of earth well because the angels all left so they like put it back they plopped it back for yeah. some reason yeah i guess they care <laughs> Well, they gotta close the time loop. That little girl's gotta grow up to be the old lady who talks to herself. Why? Because time, David. It's gotta. <laughs> you just have to. Don't you okay. know? <laughs> but um, that's a thing that Chibnall added. Like, the ability to... Angels can make other people into angels, like, instantaneously. And also they will look like themselves, but with angel wings. <laughs> That's true. Right. Well, I don't know exactly what the process is to make that happen. I'm guessing that, I don't know, maybe it may needs a lot of them. Yeah, or something. Have Otherwise, enough. it feels like they'd be doing that. you got to have a whole rave of angels to get to get that well, kind of stuff going. Here's the thing. You don't want to make more angels, really, because that's just more competition for yummy time food. 
That's tr- no, the angels have like a, a need to reproduce themselves. That's why they reproduce themselves in images. I guess. I guess you're right. And they like to revive each other when they're when they're dying in a cave. You know, That's someone will true. fly a spaceship down to feed you. You know, yum, yum, that yum. was what happened in Time of Angels. So mm-hmm. they're they're very you know a, a very social species. <laughs> Uh, so I think it's just about time to wrap up the recap of Village of the Angels. I mean, it it is a fun episode. I did have fun watching it. I don't um, know. The angels are played up. Yeah, I exaggerated. Fun. It's kind of like watching a cartoon version of the angels. Um, but you know, I think that some of the the horror and some of the drama is lost in that. I I, I yeah. It's, I don't know. For me, it, it didn't hit as well. Like, like, like I'm not ready to write off the episode. You know, there are definitely parts that I enjoyed, parts that I didn't enjoy. I think I feel like the tw- the ending twist of it kind of soured my <laughs> my you didn't enjoyment. Like CIA angels, or you didn't no. like the doctor being turned into an angel, or both? no? I didn't like CIA angels. <laughs> I like, like CIA angels. It's we're too doing the division. We've already established that the division recruits from other species <laughs> like the Lupari. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm super excited. It also plays back into my theory that I stated at the beginning that uh, the division also is a rock band. <laughs> and that they include a weeping angel uh, playing guitar or yes. uh, some, some okay. kind of instrument. I'll, I'll get on board for this headcanon. What about you, um, Okay. Final so, thoughts? I, I, I enjoyed right. this episode. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I mean, this whole season has just been so much easier to watch than other, <laughs> the other two seasons. Like, I, I don't find myself having to force myself in any way to pay attention or to, like, really sit down and watch it. Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it goes down smooth, and I, I appreciate that. And this episode <laughs> went down pretty smooth. Pretty smooth. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess survivors of the flux. We pick up where we left off, more or less. The doctor is a weeping angel. Then she mm-hmm. turns into not a weeping angel, and she's surrounded by weeping angels. But then she says, "I'm still a weeping angel." And then she says, "This is what it's like to be a weeping angel," which I guess is I, to feel like you're. A time lord in a field of weeping angels? I don't know. And then she gets turned into not a weeping angel, which is represented visually by her turning back into a weeping angel. (laughs) So it didn't really make any sense and uh, was bad. (laughs) But now we're on a mysterious spaceship with who else? An Ood? And a gardener. the same mysterious gardener that I think I... Just said was an old lady with a watering can it's, or an oil can. It's or Mother something. Nature. It's Mother well, Nature. It's a mother of some kind. Right. So to jump ahead, we we find out this episode that uh, the head of division. This is this is the is big reveal. the woman who found the timeless child and yes. raised her and made her into the doctor. Yep. The doctor's mind. It all, it all comes back around. See? Right. This, the... this episode reminded me a lot of Timeless Children. Um, yes. In part because it's just the doctor in the same room as the big bad just 
explaining yeah getting the onto exposition and then her yeah. sort of being like here's a big spooky choice for you to make doctor you can either I... join me and destroy the universe yeah the... or not <laughs> the you division... can really tell that the last episode chris had a co-writer and this one he did not because we are just back to expositing everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say that because he did write War of the Santarans by himself, right? Which I think is closer in tone to, you know, Village of the Angels. But yeah, it's just he's alternating, right? He's going do an episodic kind of standalone deal and then do an intense multi-story, multi-part epic yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh i just i don't think that the multi-story multi-part aspect of it works because the the stories are too I, disjointed from one another they don't I, have clear you know arcs within the episode I, I, and I, they're hard to track the the one that i can track is great serpent so can we start with that one sure is there something you wanted to say first though victor uh now i've forgotten it <laughs> Okay. Uh, oh, I think I was going to say, like, in terms of whether or not the the more serialized episodes work, they, like, they, they kind of work as entertainment. Like, they like maybe it's because I'm a fan, but it, it does keep my attention, but it doesn't work in, like, a intellectual level at all. Like, if you... The, these, these It doesn't have to be that No, no, but I, I mean, like, I mean... I mean, I mean like, the if themes you, work. The, the Division's, like, motives seem insane. Like, just... <laughs> making literally yes. no sense <laughs> we'll get well, like we can wait for it to get to it but it's it's cuckoo banana clock over there <laughs> right i just think for the most part it's hard to track what but what i can track is the subplot about the great serpent right which you know is so straightforward that you know you basically know where it's going from the first scene and you could almost yeah. cut the rest um <laughs> so the great serpent you know the the guy that uh got Vinder fired back in uh, Once Upon Time shows up inexplicably in uh, the 60s or the 50s, late yeah. 50s. 50s, 50s. Um, and he meets with the guy who's been tasked with starting UNIT, the Unified Intelligence Task Force. Uh, and we get to learn a lot, I guess, about it. It's sort of like the Avengers scene from <laughs> Captain uh, Captain Marvel, where you know it's just like they come up with the name first, right, and then, and then figure out what it's gonna do later. <laughs> I mean, it's also just really funny how like the way that the guy who's building out unit like approaches this guy is like they're just shooting something, and he's like, "So what have you been doing to this guy who I don't know?" And he's like, "You know, I've been doing some pretty mysterious stuff." And he's like, "Oh, do you like mysterious stuff?" Well, I am putting together a top secret project for the governments of the world to uh, right. hunt aliens. Would you be interested? That's right. that's just how old British white guys talk to each other. Yeah. Right so just like um, I see that you are British yeah. and white, I can trust you with t- top national secrets. <laughs> right. So the you don't serpent seem is going by. Prentice on Earth, and uh, he's sort of pretending to age, but not doing a very good job of it. He's he pretending doesn't to be even human at all. And he's using a little snake assassin that lives inside of him, or possibly on him, and turns invisible to explode people's faces from within. I, it's which I guess for some reason doesn't come back in like you know any sort of. Uh, <laughs> autopsy as like hmm, his right. face seems to have exploded 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's also just really funny how basically his entire scheme is like for the, for the past sixty years he's just been like quietly like every once in a while he appears at unit and he's like okay can I get that promotion I want now and they're like no and he kills no. them <laughs> and he's just like he got it on the ground floor and he's never actually managed to get promoted like he's just been there for sixty years. <laughs> well, he's only there like that's the thing like you know it it. It's the it's the it's not the grind set. It's not the hustle mindset. Yeah. He thinks he can just come in like once a year, and and do something. You know, he just wants to to jump over all the all the grunt work. But you gotta well, right. hustle every but, day. But it's you gotta come to work every day. <laughs> but it's like he kills these people, and it doesn't even advance him. So that next time he's higher up, he like stay as far as I can tell, he stays more or less in the same position. It's just he right. sometimes kills his boss when they say no to a promotion. Right. Like every couple of decades. Right. But he does eventually get there, and we get the return of Kate Lethbridge Stewart, who we haven't seen since the Moffat era. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. and she, I mean, her performance I thought was fantastic. She has this yeah. cold sort of scene yeah, with yeah, yeah. Oh uh, my God. the great uh, serpent just I being mean, like, I-, I know what you're doing. You're cutting the funding to an important government institution that my father and his father had a, you know, big I- part in. I mean, in a way, it kind of just detracts from all the other positive things I've said about all the other characters this season. Cause it's just like <laughs> when you see a moff, like a side Moffat character for like two <laughs> seconds, you're like, Oh you're my like- God, this is one of the best characters I've seen in the show in a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, she's just a good actor. Um, I know, I- but it's also just like these characters are, were they, the, the characterization, even now when it's better, it's still nowhere near as strong as, as Moffat or Russell's, even when they weren't at their strongest. Right. Yeah, I I think you've got a point. Um, but uh, that that's basically where we leave off that plot. Uh, Kate gets her well, house no, blown she... up, and then she calls Oswald. <gasps> Is she but... coming back? I don't know. Like fucking name dropped her. <laughs> yeah. Well, she just that. says I'm going dark. So I'm guessing she'll be back, but it might be in like, you know. Uh, what do you call them? Extra materials, uh, just just mm. sort of an appendix. No, I, on I think flux. I think she'll probably show up in the next episode. I'm guessing if they if they. Well, here's it. the the question: Do we think everything's going to be resolved next episode? I or hope not. Do we not. think there's going to be a giant like that's the like, cliffhanger? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of hoping that they don't resolve it because there's just, I mean, there's no way they're going to resolve it anyway, like in a satisfacting way, but there's de- they definitely can't resolve it in like a 45-minute episode. Right. Um, you know, but on the other hand, it's like not that much actually happens in this episode. It's kind of an illusion. Yeah, like nothing Cause, happens. Because like Dan and Yaz's story, like let's do that. Like what do we accomplish in Dan and Yaz's world? <laughs> and Jericho, mind you. So, so Dan and Yaz... And I guess Jericho now. And we're all tagging along and they're doing the like 1900s explorer trope. You know, right. they're, they're in 1904. They're, they've been there three years. Right. They're grave robbing Mayan tombs, which Yaz is a little ambivalent about. Right. But be- it's because a tiny pot in a cave has the secret date that the earth is going to be invaded on it, except it doesn't. And then they go visit like this hermit who lives on top of like a mountain, the Himalayas or something. And he's like a character from the Simpsons. Like if you've ever seen the episode (laughs) where they go to the quickie mart on top of the mountain, it like, he's like that character. 
Um, I don't know. Bits. I... <laughs> yeah, he does do a lot of bits. But I he also... Did, he did get a chuckle out of me. He got a chuckle out yeah, of me. but I was, I was like... also just so incredulous, like, is this okay to do? <laughs> like, No, like, I, I... He's, I, like, a, supposed to be, like, kind of a religious yeah, I don't character. Know. That, that, that thought no? didn't cross my mind, but I, I, I was just, like... Thank God, Chibnall's at least trying to put in jokes now. Like, because it, you know, it's like, it's like honestly, that helps so much for Doctor Who. Which is like, what the fuck was this man doing for two seasons, not putting in any jokes into a, into an like what basically is an action comedy sci-fi show? Like, it's he a, always tried. Right. They just were mostly just one-liners by Graham being like, you know. Oh, this is. Oi, that's a dog person. But they yeah. were like, they were like jokes that you would see in like a, you know, police procedural or something. They were like extremely dull, like. I hear you. Jokes. These are these are you know they're silly, which is what the show right. is. It's a silly show. Um, there was a tiny thing. I'm pretty sure in the Mayan temple, uh, there was a candle that was already lit, and they don't really establish mm. like that anybody. Was okay, there this, I mean, this yeah, is I a nitpick. <laughs> Look, it's my job. Uh, <laughs> There's your nitpick of the week. But, like, by the end of the Dan and Yaz thing, none of what they actually do matters because it's just they were on a boat and Top Hat Man, who we find out's name is Joseph... Joseph Williamson? Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. Wait, I have it written down. I gotta get it. Yeah, Joseph Williamson shows up on a boat and is just like, ah... What the hell's going on here? Where am I? And it's like, you're from Liverpool. I saw you. And then they're like, let's go to Liverpool. And then they end up down in the cave. Well, so, you know, this is why it matters that Dan is like a local history expert. Because he's like, the Williamson Caves, duh. That was the guy. So that's his whole purpose as a character. And Yaz is like, Um, Dan, you're from Liverpool? You never mention it. And it's like... (laughs) Yaz, are you 40? You make jokes like a 40-year-old. Um, um, anyway. <laughs> well, okay, I do have to say, I love Top Hat Man. I love Joseph Williamson. Really? His character is, he's so weird. I don't know, there's something about the way the actor plays him. I just, like, every time he's on screen, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the dialogue or if it's just the delivery. But I find something about him so charming that I'm like, what? I'll just watch him. Like, everyone else is boring. Uh, if you say I, so. He seems I, uh, truly bizarre to me. Yeah, I, I don't really have this, such a strong connection with him either. What? I, I no! Thought, he's okay. Like, like, he's this old crazy guy wandering the mines going, I must find the doorways. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's entertaining. Yeah, I think uh, he just really needs to turn, like, the, the, the creepiness thing- up or turn the charmingness up because he's in mm. a kind of uh, hazy area to me. But, <laughs> like, that's the only thing that matters in this subplot, right? But, but the thing I was... Yeah, that's the only thing that matters. The thing I was really confused about was, like, when they, they go to that mystic and he tells them that they have to go find their dog, they just, like, yeah. write in big letters, like, hey, uh, we're here. Near, Calvinista! Near the us. Great Wall of China, which, but, but according then he to immedi- bullshit science can be seen from space and he immediately gets an update that like it's thousands of years ago someone wrote this like <laughs> right well like, either he would have like seen 100. it right when he connected or he might never have seen it so i guess we can just go with we cut to when he saw it but we don't know that it was immediately after the events that we just saw him in in yeah. the previous scene because the mm. carbonista subplot is just that the barrier is breaking down for some reason 
Now any yeah, ships one, can get in. But I do, I do like how it just accumulates in him being like, I don't have time travel, you idiots. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's, oh, great, what am I supposed to do about that? <laughs> it seems like he could have time travel. There's no right. real reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, he could, but it's funny to. that he doesn't. Right. It's, it's um, but anyway, Pavanista calls back the one Lupari ship that's out there, and of course, who's piloting it? Bell. Oh, right. But she was right there, this this weird asteroid, and just as Vinder lands on it, she gets teleported away. Oh no. No. They're star crossed. They're literally crossing stars. And they're literally <laughs> having a bunch of near misses, including and I don't remember if we talked about this specifically, but in the previous episode there was like a post credit scene thing or like mid credit scene which Doctor <laughs> Who doesn't normally do where Bell leaves like a recorded message for Vinder. <laughs> do you guys remember oh. this? No, I didn't I missed this. Right. So it's on the planet where um where Azor like kidnaps all those people. Right. And Bell leaves like a little message that's recorded that's like, I love you, Vinda. We're gonna see each other again. Oh, and uh the coordinates, uh they're three point and then it like cuts out. <laughs> oh, and, right, uh, right. and so it's supposed to be like ironic, but it's more just like Wow, I can't I mean, believe you didn't start with the coordinates. You but, but absolute yeah. also, don't. Also, she left it in a physical location. Couldn't she have like written it down, like or tried to do something <laughs> to uh, give it like the the right? No, something. yeah, it's not like she was teleported away from there. She just yeah. ran out of recording space on her little recording device. She could still carve the the, right. uh, the coordinates into the ground or. Yeah, write a yeah. note like, or it seems like do she really did anything not... literally yeah she was just like well i guess i tried you know it's good enough he'll find he'll figure <laughs> tape, it out tape I, over it yeah. you know <laughs> I, no it can I only can... be used once that's the, I, that's, oh, that's, i was sorry. telling him of my exact location in the universe he has the first digit to go off of that's enough <laughs> he's a smart guy <laughs> where oh are you in the universe God. uh three i am at three <laughs> <laughs> i'm at soup yeah <laughs> Well, on that asteroid, there's a plot going on where Swarm and Azur are putting a bunch of people in front of blue crystals that make them be time or something. They make them... Yeah. No, it makes them be space space because they they are time. time. And that's because they're building a psychotemporal bridge to the Doctor, which requires... Sucking up the dust of a bunch of humans. Space, it's space dust. You ever been turned to space dust? I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't David, know what any we, of this is. We are star stuff. Yeah, you when, know, look, and they need the star golden. stuff. When you when you do space stuff, you get time. That's that's how it works. <laughs> that's the math of the universe. Yeah. Um, and then Vinder gets sucked into a passenger, uh, where he immediately runs into Diane because I guess the passenger has like a, person? you might also know, like on Facebook, <laughs> like you have some mutuals, Vinder, <laughs> um, and runs into Diane. <sighs> so I've been putting it off, but I think we got to talk about, we got to talk about Tecteyun. Okay. What, what is so Tecteyun's is- master plan? Well, so she is in like a a weird base that's like outside of time, 
No, not outside of time. It's outside of space. It's between universes, I guess. It's I, I guess it's like the void. Remember when the Daleks had a void ship? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess it's like the it's void. It's like the void. Yeah. So, like, you know, she's hanging out there, and I guess that's where everyone in the division hangs out, question mark. Um, and no, just her and the... an Ood. There's nobody else there. <laughs> well, at this point, it's just her and an Ood, but, like... I mean, that's base of operations, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think that the actual division agents ever get to go there. I think that's really? how she basically keeps I, control. I, I, I don't know. We don't know. It's not a lot of information is given. Right. But um, she wants to destroy the universe using the flux, which is made using the same technology that she uses to travel outside of the universe, right? Yeah. That's what yes. the flux is. Yes. And she's doing it because the doctor fucked up the universe, question mark? She, I think. I, like, <laughs> that's the thing that makes their plot so nonsensical to me is that like it just she's just like i'm destroying the universe because you and you're annoying me like basically stop right. doing what you're doing in the universe and then she's like but you could come join me in this new universe i'm starting right she's, yeah if your whole like, plan is to eliminate the doctor yeah. because the doctor goes against your agenda which is so vague like, that it doesn't even include stopping the genocide of the time lords like, right. that's how vague I mean, your that, that's, plans that's, are, that's is that, like, none saying. of them have been visible in any way, shape, or form in any episode prior I, to this. Like, the closest thing <laughs> we, we know about them is that they're vaguely some sort of, like, Time Lordy CIA, except they clearly do a terrible job, because the Time Lords have gone extinct twice. Uh, twice! <laughs> twice! Two times! So, like, they're not, they're not very, they're, they don't seem to be very omnipotent, considering they've never seemed to stop the Doctor at any point. <laughs> they, they've let their they've poor calling just... They've never anyone to try to stop but, the Doctor at any point. Yeah. But also, I like to imagine that Tech Tayun, had she succeeded with her plan, she, and she'd gotten the Doctor to join, and then, like, the Doctor just started fucking up this universe, she would have been like, <laughs> oh, fuck, that, I wanted the new universe to get rid of this person. I wanted <laughs> I a Doctor forgot. free universe. <laughs> Oops, it's okay. I forgot. I'll, I'll toss this one. Doctor, you coming with me to the next one, right? <laughs> also, if she, like, thinks that restoring the doctor's memories to her would, like, in some way help her or, like, calm her down or something, why not just do that instead of, like, blowing up an entire because universe? Because she needs to know. You know? I think the idea is, like, it's supposed to be, like, this is the carrot and the stick is blowing yeah. up the universe, you know? Okay. Like, if, you, if, if, if you don't accept my deal, then you go back to your Earth and try and save it. But, you, you know, you can't hang around here. <laughs> mm. uh, whereas if you join me and take your memories, you can stay here. You give up the uh, opportunity to try and destroy the you know, to try and save the universe, but we can save Earth, I guess. That doesn't I really guess. bother me. And then it like it just speaks to like, okay, so what is it specifically yeah, that they're trying want, to get rid of? Why do you want to destroy the universe? Yeah. But if you're okay with keeping Earth, like, right? Like, <laughs> like if the, the point is thing- that you don't want this this universe like if the point is that the universe is what the doctor cares about and the doctor is always going to you know promote freedom and democ you know democracy or whatever and your goal <laughs> is to unquote. promote evil and dastardliness like <laughs> what you know what good is it to save the doctor and the earth 
the one thing that she cares about more than division, you know, the the thing that she cares about the most and therefore is more most likely to betray the division over. Yeah. Like, and then bring that along. It just seems like a recipe for disaster. Tectayun, you're sloppy at your job. (laughs) And who gave her this job? And why? I think she made She invented it. Yeah, I think she's the head honcho. Always has been. But like... She's the head honcho of Division. Division recruits from all all planets, all everything. But whose interests are it serving? I know. And why that's... do people join it? Like, what is? The, what do people get out of it? This is what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense because the like <laughs> if they're time with CIA, they're terrible. So they must they must be just like her whims. But the only thing yeah. she's interested in is like stopping the doctor. But she seems to be very bad at that. Like. Right. <laughs> Yeah, none of it makes, it's not cohesive. Like, this is, this is what you, you know, were warning us about back when I was like, I don't know, maybe upon time is like going somewhere and interesting. You're like, no, it's not going to pay off. It's all going to be stupid. Right. Uh, And you were right. Because like the whole thing with like, okay, they're destroying space, destroying time. They don't really care about that. It's not about space versus time. It's not time Mm -hmm. lords versus space lords. The Flux is just supposed to well, destroy the I entire mean, universe, th- starting with everything except Earth and ending with Earth there's also for just dramatic too, effect. There, there's too many factions going on, because the, there's Tetayun, there's, there's the Mass Singers, and then there's also the Santarans, which are randomly in there, and they seem to be working yeah. with the Great Snake, and maybe they're all the working Great for the... The Great Serpent. Maybe they're all working for the, the Mass <laughs> Singer, but it's just like a, a lot of different... <laughs> Big bads at the same time. Oh yeah, I forgot yes. that this great serpent sends assassins to kill Yaz, and yeah. they literally take cyanide from their tooth. Like, yeah, <laughs> they don't have any like teleportation technology or anything to get away, <laughs> even though they're like working with an alien intelligence. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, he I doesn't know. seem like the guy like who'd is... like share with a lackey, you know. <laughs> Right. I just feel like this is like peak Chibnall. This is what Chibnall does when he's doing Chibnall. Like when he's feeling his, <laughs> you know, feeling himself. Um, mm-hmm. And it's bad. It's it's no good. It doesn't track. The character beats and like the decisions don't feel real or interesting. And they also feel kind of muddled. Like, like here's your choice, Doctor save the earth or lose the universe you know like that would be a choice but instead it's right here here's the choice doctor get your memories but you have to work for me for some some (laughs) like once once we destroy the universe i guess i won't have any leverage over you but you'll have to do it anyway and then because you promised because you promised the earth at any point i guess i guess the earth is a collateral and then the earth is saved but the universe dies but the universe is already dead so you'd have to go back and save it, but you don't know that you could do that. It's like, this is such a non-stakes-having choice that Anything. she's making. Right. It doesn't work, because I don't understand the stakes of it, uh, and the universe is already being destroyed. <laughs> right. Like, it's not like she's... she can reverse it, which I guess she's going to have to, or we're going to go to a new go universe to... next yeah, episode. Universe. I don't know. Well... I mean, she just, the decision is taken out of her hands because the swarm shows up and disintegrates her. Right, yeah. So that's the other yeah, thing, is there's no the payoff. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> right. The Ravagers show up using their psychotemporal bridge, and I guess they still want to destroy the universe, right? But they don't have the same I motivations guess. as the Division. They're just doing it out of revenge. Well, they wanted to destroy... The Doctor. The, the Division and the Doctor out of revenge. And I think they kind of don't care about the collateral damage. No, they I seem to that's... be invested in still destroying the universe. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe... Are they? Are, are they space or are they time? I, always, I don't even know which, one <laughs> which side they're on. <laughs> they're on t- team time. I think the Division right. was kind of team space. What does this they're mean? Trying to go... Because they're trying to go from one universe, which is a, a place, space, to oh, another universe. Space wait, 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 wait. Maybe, maybe it's that they just have differing views on how to reboot the universe. One wants to take the universe back to the beginning in time and restart it. And the other one wants to mm. move the universe and take it somewhere else in space. Yes. This is this is about as, as sensical as anything else that they've suggested. <laughs> right. Okay, so at the end of the episode, this is the big twist i guess or the big cliffhanger yeah is and i don't think that the two things are related at all but the great serpent sends santarans to attack the earth and take it over mm-hmm. which then storm into where gaz dan uh eustatius jericho and uh my boy <laughs> joseph John williamson, williams. Joseph are williamson. all in the tunnels that go to all the different time zones that we've seen Hatman Joseph Williamson in previously. Mm-hmm. And now they're being attacked by Suntarans again, which doesn't seem to have that much stakes because we did just beat them. Yeah. But I guess there's more now for some reason. <laughs> it seems like there'd be less because they all blew up. Uh, yeah. yeah, none of this, none of this tracks, but okay. Unrelated to that swarm is also just killed tech. <laughs> yes. And is reaching towards the doctor. And there's I just, I, I, I now am regretting heart. saying that I think Swarm is a good villain because I'm like I wanted to know more about Tectaeon. I think. Yeah. It, well, I think we'll get flashbacks <laughs> or something because yeah, it seems it seems ridiculous to just kill her off. <laughs> to that introduce fast. the mother of the, of the doctor. doctor. The woman and, who raised her, and then also the woman who runs the division, division yeah. and conducted secret operations on behalf of the time lords for literally all time if this is the last time we see her anything about what she wants what her motivations what she are does. this is it's chimnalitis chimnaliest like yeah. he's oh like i'm gonna God. introduce lore but i don't know what to do with it so i'm just I can gonna do kill nothing everyone with this lore this I mean, is your yeah. fan fiction Chris, you you have to resolve it. And I think no, David, the that's smartest the thing ex- to do, if I, if I could pitch you something, I think you've ruined this universe. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, it might be time. That's what I've been saying. To get a new one. But I, I, I don't know if I've said it on the show, but David, I definitely mentioned this to you before, that I think they might be heading towards a soft reboot just because... Right, just will... because it's so hard to keep track of yeah. what is now, you know, uh, 15, 16 years of continuity just right. in the new series and it's right. all connected so yeah i would not be surprised at all if they did a soft reboot of some kind with maybe even a new doctor starting at doctor number one or you know something in this new universe i, d- I yeah. don't know it's rough 
it's yeah. rough folks um we're gonna finish up flux next time uh maybe Terrifying. next week <laughs> and uh we'll, <laughs> we'll have some kind of conclusion i guess i don't know how but if it is a cliffhanger again then we'll we'll be right back for the new year's special and any specials afterwards so you can always count on us your tardis tropes crew and we'll see you next time Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.